1: The Spotify Green Room, formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys. Spotify Green Room is a live audio only sports talk platform free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club Thirty Four Seven. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know any time that I go live. Because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities. For interaction between me and you, my loyal audience, so be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <coughs> What's up, guys? It's week one. The twenty twenty one season is finally upon us. Our beloved travel out to L A. to play the Rams at SoFi Stadium. the The first real game with fans uh, in the stands for them. They played into an in an open, or excuse me, an empty. A uh, gigantic new facility out there uh, in Los Angeles will also be hosting the Super Bowl this year, and our beloved get to kick off the regular season going up against Matt Stafford and the LA Rams. And uh, what's going on, everybody? Larity back for the Week One preview of the bear stock underground the 2021 season is upon us uh by the time you guys are listening to this this will be thursday the season kicks off tonight with the bucks and the cowboys uh looking forward to seeing that game um just got done watching the uh hard knocks with the uh with the dallas cowboys which was it is what it is you know i'm the cowboys have been on hard knocks like four times now because Jerry Jones is a promotional whore and uh, any opportunity he can to put his boys on TV, he's going to do it, which is really smart. And I wish the bears would be selfish like that because we've had a few opportunities to be on hard knocks uh, over the years. And uh, the bears just pass on it every single time, even though it would probably be a ratings juggernaut a, because the bears have never been on it before. And because B we have the, one of the most widespread and loyal fan bases in all of sports, but uh, that doesn't matter to the uh, McCaskies and, and uh, company. So, uh, anywho, <laughs> regardless of them uh, and their stupid tactics, uh, we're playing a football game uh, on Sunday night. And I'm very excited uh, to get this season underway. I am anxious to see what Andy Dalton looks like when he's actually out there with guys he's been practicing with. I know it's a novel idea, but, uh, you know, after watching Andy Dalton fail miserably during the preseason, playing with guys that none of which made the team this year, uh, even, you know, even the cup of coffee Rodney Adams had on the 53-man roster before being cut and then signed to the practice squad, Andy Dalton spent all of his time in practice throwing passes to uh, Goodwin and Robinson and Mooney and Bird and, you know, those guys and then went out there in the preseason throwing passes to Rodney Adams and John Vay Johnson and uh, Lacey and, and guys that did not make the goddamn team. So hopefully when Andy Dalton is out there with guys that he's been building rapport and chemistry with in practice on Sunday, he actually looks like a confident NFL quarterback as opposed to the shit show that he put on the field during in during the preseason uh, when he was out there with guys, you know, for lack of a better term, guys he didn't know. So that's my glass half full optimism on, on Sunday because um, you'll hear me talk about it with our guest, uh, Jake Ellen Bogan from the Downtown Rams uh, podcast, uh, that uh, that's what I'm hanging on to going into week one. If Andy Dalton looks the same in the regular season with all of our top starters as he did in the preseason with the uh, the backups and, and, you know, guys clinging for roster spots, then I will 100% bang the table for them. Like, the hell with it. Just put Fields in there. Just do it. He's obviously the better quarterback. I mean, it, that's obvious now because he went out there, uh, Justin Fields did with the same guys and was producing first downs, was putting points on the board, was threading. Like that, I still can't get over that throw he made at Jesper Horstead uh, before halftime in the Titans game. Um Two weeks ago. I mean, just, yeah. Okay. Mitch puts that one in the 10th row of the stands. I don't give a damn what anybody says. That thing is so off target. It's not even fair. And, uh, you know, he threaded the needle and, um, you know, put it where only horse horse that could could get it. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, he went out there with the same guys and got 10 times the results. So, like I said, I'm holding on hope that, uh, you know, Nagy and company are going to be the smart ones because they see what Dalton has been doing in practice with the starters. And that's why they're hanging on to that, despite what we see out there and despite what we want. Uh, So, uh, but if Andy Dalton goes out there and shits the bed again, then uh, he's not going to have a leg to stand on. He really isn't. So I will tell you one thing though. Uh, One thing for sure is, um, and you guys aren't going to like this, but I don't want to see Justin Fields on Sunday and it has nothing to do with with protecting him from Aaron Donald and the Rams defense, nothing at all. And what I mean by that is I don't want to see him in packages. I don't want us to put him out there for a series or to run this or, or do that. I don't want to see that. I only want to see Justin Fields on the field when he's our starting quarterback. Unless we're putting him in to play and be the starter going forward, I don't want to see him out there. I really don't. Because all that's going to do is tease the fan. It's just going to irritate us as a fan base to see, you know, Justin Fields go out there and do something special or spectacular and then throw Andy Dalton back in there on the next series and watch him go three and out. It's just going to piss us off. So I personally, for selfish reasons, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see Justin Fields out there in a package, you know, running some kind of, you know, um, Uh, you know, run option, you know, RPO type thing. And I want to see it. I don't want to see it. It's all in or all out. So we're going with Andy Dalton. You've been saying that to us since March when we signed him. You're sticking to your guns. He's starting against the Rams. Let's see him see what he can do. I don't want to see Justin Fields unless they murder Andy Dalton and we got to put our backup in there. Or if you've just made the decision uh, that you've seen enough Andy Dalton and that Justin Fields gives us the best chance to win, which quite frankly... He does. But that's my thought. I, if, unless we're putting him in to be our starting quarterback for the rest of 2021, I don't want to see Justin Fields on the field. It just, I just don't want to see it. So that's my thought. Hot take, y'all. Uh, anyway, like I said, Jake Ellen Bogan from the Downtown Rams podcast will be our guest uh, today. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
2: Hi, checking in for.
0: Or the perfect table.
2: Hey, where are you?
3: So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. So what do you say we go ahead and uh, bring on our guest and preview
1: week one between our beloved Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams kicking off the 2021 season here on the Bears Talk Underground. Hang So the time has finally come. The preseason is over. The The uncharacteristically new two-week break between the last preseason game and the first regular season game is shortening uh, by the moment, which means it's time to actually get ready for the regular season. Week one is just around the corner. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. The NFL season kicks off in 48 hours when the Bucks and the Cowboys get uh, get down on Thursday night. But we got to wait all the way until the final game on Sunday, national TV, Sunday night football, Bears-Rams week one. And to help us preview this matchup between our two beloved franchises, uh, we had to call in Jake Ellenbogen from the Downtown Rams YouTube channel out of the bullpen because our friends at Locked On Rams just couldn't find the time for us. So Jake was, was gracious enough To join us, Jake, welcome to the uh, Bears Talk Underground, man.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: I appreciate it. So since you are new to the show, we have the same three questions for you that we do with all of our new friends. Uh, Jake, where (laughs) are you from? Where are you now? And what is your favorite moment as a fan of these L.A. Rams?
0: Yeah, so I'm from upstate New York. Um, I'm still in upstate New York. My favorite moment of the L.A. Rams was uh, the tackle. I mean, I I was... uh, I was young. I mean, I guess that's the St. Louis Rams, the same franchise. I <laughs> uh, was super young, but I do remember my dad throwing me up and almost hitting my head on the field. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was definitely a, a memory that I'll never forget.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Robert Jones, right?
0: Uh, yeah, Mike Jones. Mike Jones. Uh, that's it. Actually, Kevin Dyson at the one yard line.
1: Right. Mark. Yeah, just short of uh, trying to tie the game and having our first uh, – overtime Super Bowl, which didn't come for another 17 years when the, the Falcons forgot to play football in the second half against the uh, Patriots.
3: So, <laughs> yeah, um, no, exactly.
1: Yeah, ironically, I'm, uh, I've been watching, I don't know if you've been watching this on YouTube, but uh, Secret Base uh, has been doing a series on the history of the Atlanta Falcons. And, awesome. yeah, it's like a seven-part series. And the final part, number seven, came out today, which is basically going to primarily focus on on Super Bowl 51. So I was like, that's where, that's where number six ended. So we're going to, and it's like an hour and a half long too. This is not a short video. They're going to break down pretty much everything that went wrong or, or, you know, how it's, it's, it's been a pretty comprehensive, very cool, uh, series. And I don't know why I'm talking about this now, but just, you know, um, you know, it was really cool. So I'm going to be checking that one out, uh, later, but so the Rams love comes from dad. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. Okay. My dad grew up in Irvine, California with next door neighbors with Jim Youngblood. and Oh, uh, wow.
1: Jim which, Youngblood.
0: Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't understand how, but uh, his freshman year of high school, just around the time that you absolutely want to move from Southern California, uh, he got moved back to New York. So I see. That was uh, that was a great moment
1: in his life, I'm sure.
0: But he yeah. never would have met my mom and I wouldn't be talking with
1: you. Right, right. right. And you know the story <laughs> about Jack Youngblood, right?
0: Um. Well, yeah. I mean, he played in the. I think it was the NFC title game with a broken leg. Yeah. No, the Jim Youngblood. Uh, no relation.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that the young Youngblood was the like a defensive tackle too. You know, playing with a broken. I don't know how broken, but it was broken. He played with a broken leg for like two. Oh, yeah. Or, like two or three games, like the the NFC title game and the Super Bowl against the Steelers. He played with a broken leg
0: doing that too yeah um yeah Marshall Falk played with a partially broken leg I don't know how you partially break your leg but you know
1: <laughs> Yeah, I believe they call those stress fractures but uh that's technically still a broken leg but uh yeah but uh anyway so when we had a chance to talk to Sosa over the the summer we pretty much took it from like a quick review of 2020 kind of swept through the the offseason and the changes, obviously the biggest one being the change of quarterback, bringing in Matt Stafford, sending off uh, Jared Goff and your next 37 first-round draft choice because who needs first-round draft picks in, uh, in 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 Los Angeles? I think you and I will both be collecting Social Security by the time the Rams are actually picking in the first round uh, again. I don't know what Les need has against draft picks, man, but he just doesn't need them because he just traded two more to... Um, to get uh, Sony Michelle away from the uh, the Patriots after Cam Akers uh, blew out his uh, Achilles uh, tendon, but um, you know, so we're we're basically caught up to going into training camp. So let's talk about training camp. How did it go? I mean, I know we just talked about uh, Cam Akers. Spoiler alert with the with the Achilles uh, injury, but aside from that, how has the training camp and preseason gone for the Rams this year?
0: I think it's a mixed bag. You know, when you look at it, obviously you have to feel good about Matthew Stafford learning the offense, all the reports of him, uh, you know, gaining a really nice rapport with guys like Dan Jefferson, Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, and especially Deshaun Jackson, who is expected to be featured in a role that the Rams just couldn't implement with Jared Goff, Mm. that deep threat. Um, Part of the reason why they traded Brandon Cooks, by the way. Uh, So... Um, you know, that's the good. Uh, the bad has been the injury. when I mean, you talk about it, you know Cam Akers, uh, Daryl Henderson gets a little bit of a thumb scare and I don't think it was a shock that they went out and got Tony Michelle uh, right after that happened. He's a guy that I had been mentioning a lot uh, on my uh, YouTube channel, but um, you know they went out and got him uh, because of the you know the Henderson thumb scare, then you had the thumb scare with Stafford uh, uh, to the point where, the Rams just basically axed the whole "we're gonna wear helmets" thing in the uh, the interior. The offensive line, defensive line, now will, will forever be wearing the soft shell helmet. Wow! So you'll see it in like those pictures. It looks sure. a little weird, but it's entirely uh, for player safety um, because you know with Stafford, I mean, you just dealt with that last year with Jared Goff, you know, breaking his uh, his thumb, uh, you know, throwing, and of course on the back. Like, on the the end of his uh, throwing motion, Mm -hmm. uh, he came down and and hit one of the Seattle Seahawks helmets uh, last season, uh, which caused, obviously, significant pain for him. Missed the Week 17 game, uh, came back, but really probably shouldn't have. Uh, Stafford, it was kind of like deja vu all over again in a bad way. But, of course, you know, Rams fans aren't really ready for Stafford's toughness. And, I mean, Jerry Goff was very tough, but Stafford, of course, was out there the next day uh, in training camp, no issue. Um, had some sort of thing with his thumb. And the, I think the biggest thing is he had a surgical, uh, you know, procedure done on his thumb in the offseason, so people were a little worried about that. Then you have Nick Scott, who has kind of an unknown leg injury wearing a giant brace. Um, if you don't know who that is, I mean, he's a safety that, you know, probably – could become a household name if he was starting. Uh, he is capable, but he is fourth. Safety on the Rams, loaded safety uh, depth. They actually kept six. Um, then you have Sean Robinson, who's having a procedure, but he's expected to be ready for week one. Um, so, you know, just a lot of injuries all around. And, I mean, it, it could be worse. I mean, we've seen it. You know, the 49ers, mm-hmm. we've seen it even with the Rams, going back when Steve Spagnuolo was the head coach. But, uh, you don't like to see all those injuries, obviously, and then especially the rookies. Uh, Bobby Brown's the third, um, who was their fourth-round pick out of A&M. Uh, you know, he suffers a torn UCL in his thumb. Uh, a lot of thumb injuries I am mentioning here. And then uh, Robert Rochelle, uh, the very impressive, but more so very raw, uh, the well, FCS corner. Um, mm-hmm. And R- Rochelle actually broke his wrist, I believe. So uh, you know, it's been a little bit of uh, top sledding, you know, with that. Um, but aside from that, you know, I think they got some really good contribution out of a guy like Bryce Perkins uh, to really end up uh, making the 53, mm-hmm. shore up their quarterback room. Uh, it's the best quarterback room the Rams have had since Warner and Bulger were together in uh, St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you have Stafford, you have Wolford who played week 17 and some of the uh, first Wild card game, and then you have Bryce Perkins, who led the NFC in passing uh, in the preseason. On top of that, you figured out that your seventh round pick and Jake Funk isn't half bad out of Maryland. He made the fifty three. Um, you know, then you got some uh, you know good contributions out of you know, Jacob Harris and Bryson Hopkins at the tight end spot. Uh, you learned that you had a little bit of a steal in AJ Jackson out of Iowa, the UDFA. He made the roster. Um, and then the defense, you know, you saw seventh round pick, uh, you know, out of I, I can't remember the school because it's so obscure. Uh, D two, um, and that is Chris Garrett. And uh, Chris Garrett really came on strong, had a, a huge game against a nine, uh you know, a nine year vet at the tackle position in uh, Patrick Omame. So he figures to be uh, some part of the defensive. Uh, rotation at pass rusher. I mean, you have Leonard Floyd that shored up, and Justin Hollins, uh, who was a waiver claim last season uh, from Van- Fangio's, uh, you know, Broncos. Uh, he's expected to have the other starting spot. Be a third round pick, Terrell Lewis out of Alabama, and then Obinna Okoronkwo is going to start the season on IR. So good to see Chris Garrett, uh, you know, doing some things there and and you know making his presence felt. He could have a, a different type of role. Uh, they only kept four linebackers, including one of the cuts was uh, Micah Kaiser, who started at the season last year for them. Um, but they brought in third-round pick Ernest Jones, who you know, really made an impact in uh, preseason. And in the back end, in the secondary, I mean, you know now Terrell Burgess is healthy. He got hurt last year against the Bears. Uh, very promising young talent, third-rounder out of Utah. And then the sixth-rounder that just shocked pretty much me and everybody else, uh, the 199th Tom Brady overall pick. Um, and that was Jordan Fuller out of Ohio State. He's turned himself into a captain this season in year two.
2: Wow.
0: And there's some big shoes to fill. You know, they lost John Johnson. They lost Troy Hill. Uh, so they lost in pieces, but he's going to be immense, uh, you know, for their uh, the back end of their secondary to shore that up. So all in all, I thought the Rams had a productive preseason. They did lose Xavier Jones, who's probably going to make the roster as running back. They lost their kick return specialist and. Ray Kalei, so we don't even know who's going to be returning kicks, so to speak. Uh, but they did get 2-2 Atwell, the second-round pick out of Louisville, a ton of work in the receiving game, got him basically broken into the NFL, getting ragdolled all, all over the place, coming back and get back to the line of scrimmage and do it all over again. And that's really important because the four receivers that I mentioned earlier, they are going to be the go-to guys. I don't know how big of a role Atwell will play this year, But the fact that they broke him in and played him as much as they did in preseason is going to mean a lot coming in this season. So uh, all in all, you know, things have gone pretty well for the Rams. There's been, you know, a few injury concerns, of course. And there's a huge question mark. It could be good. It could be bad. We don't know. Uh, Brian Allen is going to start at center. A little bit of a shock. You know, you fall in the Rams during the mini camp. It was 100% going to be Austin Corbett at center moving over from guard and Bobby Evans playing right guard. And now we look, Bobby Evans barely makes the roster. Uh, Corbett slides in at right guard, and they're going to use former fourth-round pick uh, out of Michigan State, Brian Allen, who's had his moments of struggle, uh, but they say he's a different guy in camp. We all know how that goes, but maybe this will be different.
1: Well, that was one of the things I was going to ask about was the the offensive uh, line uh, for the for the Rams. You know, the guys did some some shifting around. Um, this year, um, your left tackle, whose name I was—I've been thinking his name, and all of a sudden it just flew right out of my head. The older Andrew Whitworth. Thank you, Whitworth, uh, is is coming back. Um, you know he's he's beating the hell out of thirty for sure. Is he forty yet? He's not forty yet, is he?
0: Uh, I think he's thirty-nine. 30, thirty-nine. 40.
1: So, well, I mean, we'll have a pair of thirty-nine-year-old tackles out there because Jason Peters is starting for us on. Uh, Sunday but um, you know it's because the th- with, with Stafford coming on the team the things that plagued him in Detroit were either he didn't have a good offensive line or he had zero semblance of a run game whether or not that had to do with the offensive line they usually correlated with one another and one of the things that I was personally excited about Stafford coming to Los Angeles was because you obviously had a much better offensive line and you had a running game which the The statistics on the running productivity in Detroit during his time was pathetic, and that's being generous um you know yeah. and and running the football is a major focus of what the Rams do uh on offense uh and such and I was wondering you know how was the offensive line uh looking uh you know, and 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 you know will it be able to uh pr- protect Stafford or will it be more of the same that he had? in Detroit because you've got offensive line questions and then the top running back that he was going to have going into the season goes down early in training camp. So it's like, it's like what he had to look forward to coming to Los Angeles, all of a sudden seemed to be slowly disappearing on him.
0: Yeah, not quite. Um, You know, obviously it it, it hurts to lose Cam Akers, but it doesn't, you know, I I don't have the you know, my win loss record didn't change when he went down. So to speak, Um, you know, I do think, the world of Daryl Henderson, he was our RB one for me coming out uh, in 2019. Uh, Anthony Jones Jr., a guy that I've talked to on our show, um, the Memphis running back coach, is a, a phenomenal coach. I mean, he's got a factory going there. If you're not paying attention to the work he's doing, Henderson, uh, Gibson, in Washington, and then you got Pollard, uh, you know, in, in Dallas, and soon we'll know Kenneth Gainwell, his name uh, in Philly. Um, they've just really done a nice job there, and. You know, Henderson is going to be leading the way uh, soon for the Rams. And there's a reason for that. You know, he's the guy that averaged over eight yards per carry at Memphis. Last season, he was the most productive and efficient Rams running back during the regular season. He had the most touchdowns. He had the most broken tackles. And this is somebody that gets this kind of an unfair uh, injury-prone moniker. But, I mean, this guy's only missed four games of his career, which is just as many as Jordan Fuller missed last season alone. And it's a lot less than what Cam Akers is going to miss. So right. all in all, I think he's gotten a bad rap. I think people forgot about how explosive he can be. Reminds me very similarly of former Ram running back in St. Louis Trey Mason. Uh, hopefully, he keeps his head on as, you know straighter than Trey Mason did. But a uh, very, very talented guy. Um, you know, does have that long speed where he can house uh, any sort of run and take it to you know take it to the house. Um, whereas Cam Akers, I always felt like was Kind of similar to Sony Michelle, would get tackled from behind. Didn't quite have that that you know second level that that next gear, so to speak, that you saw with Todd Gurley. So um, that is something very interesting. I think the thing with Stafford is, what I find very interesting is that he leaves Detroit and immediately Detroit has a pretty good offensive line right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rams return four out of the five starters. Okay, so I feel good about the Rams offensive line. They were top 10 according to pro football focus last season. And I can't stress enough all, like all last year, the offensive line played way better than it looked. It's just Jared Goff doesn't have the pocket mobility or the skills, <laughs> sure. in the pocket that a Stafford would have, uh, you know, that quarterbacks need to have. Uh, it's why Tom Brady looks like he is so clean in every pocket he's in. It's because he makes subtle steps and he'll make, you know, sidesteps, he'll, he'll move up a little bit in the pocket, and he manipulates the pocket. And I'll be honest with you, you know, there's, there was really no excuse last year. There were times where they sent, you know, the kitchen sink and, and their, you know, whatever, at golf, and he didn't adjust his protections at the line. He didn't make those adjustments. He held on to the ball too long um, and then refused to step up in the pocket. It was almost like he had to be told before the play by McVay, you need to step up in the pocket this play. And that's when you would start to see it. But it was very inconsistent. Where Stafford, it's like it's an AI playing quarterback. Sure. I mean, he is a robot. And, I mean, you've seen him for years, so I'm not, I am not—I don't have to
1: tell you that. Yeah, twice um, a year for the last 10 or 11, however long it's been.
0: <laughs> but, you know, I think the thing is, and this is what I always say for people that, you know, are worried about his playoff stuff. Uh, first off, his first playoff game, um, you know, against the Saints. His team gave up 45. He dropped 28 himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you go, you look at the Dallas game. There was a bad call in that one. That oh, yeah. could have gone either way. And then, of course, the third one. You know, we could sit here and say they got blown out. They were outplayed. Back from what the Seattle couldn't play under the pressure. Or we could look at the fact that he only threw the ball 30 times in that game. And the coach basically, you know, he didn't want to throw the ball, he wanted to run the ball. I guess he was their starting running back in that game. Zach Zenner. So I don't know how you expect to win a playoff game with Zach Zenner as your starting running back. Uh, that honestly makes Jake Funk look very good as the third for the Rams. Uh, so I think Stafford is very much enjoying uh, you know, the offseason. I think he's soaking it all in. Um, this is somebody that took it upon himself to coach up Sony Michelle and get him ready for week one, uh, basically kind of being the mentor that he needed, you know, trying to Speed run his way you know those the sprint courses that people take speed run their way to you know a college credit well Stafford was essentially that sprint course uh, for Sony Michelle and because of that I think it's gonna make Sony Michelle uh, a little bit more readier than he might have been uh, for week one because I'm not I'm not gonna say golf wouldn't have been able to do that but Stafford really took it upon himself to do that and it does need to be uh, stated because I don't think that's been mentioned
2: enough
1: yeah, I'm, I was like I said, I was I was happy for Stafford to for him to go to uh, Los Angeles because uh, as a, as a football fan, you, you realize when there's when there's somebody that's better than the than the team uh, around him. So for years, I've been watching Stafford take a beating from from us in Chicago directly, and then yeah. watching him get beat up every which way and and upside down and and you know any direction you got uh, for years, uh, but still. You know, number one, it's like he had an injury thing like at the beginning of his career, but he's been pretty much a warrior from like year three and beyond and, you know, playing tough and, and uh, being productive like those playoff teams that you talked about, uh, the like 2011 and 2014. Those were offenses that would have won championships with a mediocre defense, and yet he was playing with defenses that were giving up forty points a game. It's like I've he scored forty five points a game because he had to, not because his offense was that good. It's like because his his defense was giving up forty, so he had to score forty five points a game. And with him and Megatron and and the things that they were able to do uh, over the years, it's it's been pretty. Pretty amazing. It just hasn't translated into wins because something vital has been missing from virtually every team he's ever played on in Detroit, whether it be the offensive line, the running game, or the defense, or or what have you. There's always been this huge void on the roster that has kept the Lions from being everything they could be.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I'd I'd say two things to add to that. Uh, The first thing, um, I'm not going to lie to you, when I saw week one against the Bears – and I saw DeAndre Swift drop that touchdown, yeah. I was like, Stafford's gone. There's the, he, there's no way he can stand any more of this. Yeah. Stafford is absolutely gone after this season. That was the first thing. And the second thing is I went back and I watched every Stafford throw this off season. Um and I've been a fan of his for years. I mm. mean, you can find a tweet five years ago. I was like, all I want is Stafford for Christmas or whatever, like something <laughs> like that. Uh, you know, and the Rams I ended up trading for him, which is pretty cool, but uh, you know, I've been a huge fan of his, and I've been watching more than just Thanksgiving, as you have as well. Sure, uh, But you can definitely see the narrative out there is that, you know, it's just that he can't win in the playoffs, and they act as if it's like a Tony Romo type of clutch situation, whereas, right. you know, obviously that's not the case. But furthermore, the thing that makes me really excited for Stafford that no one's talking about is the fact, We always want to say that he had plenty of weapons in Detroit. You know, he had Golden Tate, he had Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. How much separation were those guys creating? Because I went back and watched, and none of those guys create the separation that Calvin did. So it was not the same thing. Yeah. And now you have Cooper Cup, who is a route-running savant, very similar to Keenan Allen. You have Robert Woods who is maybe the most underrated receiver in football. He literally will do anything. I mean, your guy in Chicago, Alan Robinson is right up there as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I mean, he'll literally do anything you ask him to. Uh, his ability in the run game has actually been a little bit of a surprise. Uh, just his vision is so great. They, they feel comfortable giving him the ball. Uh, so, you know, Robert Woods is, is a guy that can create separation. Cup is a guy that, of course, Deshaun Sean Jackson, who's creating you know about three feet, four feet of separation, four yards, three yards of separation, uh, you know against Dallas in the uh, in the joint practice. Uh, plus Van Jefferson, you know I think a lot of these guys are going to create a lot more separation than what he had in, in Detroit. But regardless, he has that valuable experience of throwing in the tight windows and you know not really. Like, having to put the ball in pinpoint-accurate situations, he's not a generally accurate quarterback. He is a pinpoint-accurate quarterback. Yeah. You look at the uh, throw, and I always bring this up, and people are probably tired of it that know me, uh, but the throw against Tennessee, you know, a seam buster. And, and this is another thing. You know, when people were saying the Rams should go after Julio Jones, I kept saying, Stafford will throw to whoever's on the field. And he does not have a favorite target. And uh, it's, fur- it's further reinforced in the Titans game last year Um, not the no look pass, uh, which is really cool, but he throws the seam buster in, you know, third and long. And I mean, this is really vital at this point in the game. You have to make this, he throws 40 yards down the field to, uh, you know, uh, miles, uh, now I forget miles Bryant, the tight end, Mm -hmm. string tight end, you know, (laughs) like he doesn't care and he puts it right on the money. He has the trust in him. It's like, if you're on the 53 man roster, and you're out there catching passes, Matthew Stafford will throw to you. He's not like other quarterbacks that have their favorite targets. He really spreads it out. I watched him last year with Danny Amendola and Quinton Cephas. I mean, Kenny Galladay, I think he loved throwing to. It made it a little bit easier on him. Just go up and get it. He doesn't have to be pinpoint with Kenny Galladay, but Galladay was never healthy. Marvin Jones turns the 50-50 ball into a 75-25 ball. That's great. T.J. Hawkinson. But, I mean, he's not afraid to, you know, loft it up to, you know, uh, Jesse James in the backcourt and the end zone. I mean, that's the thing that makes him so great. It does not matter who is receiving. He's going to, you know, make things happen.
1: Yeah, it's almost like he's looking at a, uh, a slew of weapons that don't, that either are all wearing the same number or don't have numbers on their jerseys because he's just looking for guys wearing the same colors uh, as exactly. him. And if you're open, he's going to throw you the ball. So um, Exactly, 100%. So speaking of targets, uh, Gerald Everett took off for uh, Seattle, so he'll be in division facing you guys uh, twice this year. Who do you have that's going to uh, replace? I know that you guys have multiple tight ends, but I know that Gerald Everett was a pretty popular target. Who's who's going to step up and, and and replace his output?
0: Yeah, and it's a great question because Gerald Everett actually averaged the most yards of separation of any receiver at one point during the season last year, according to Next Gen Stats. So. Uh, he was doing a great job of getting open. The problem is he couldn't catch. Uh, and we saw that even without Goff. You, can't, you couldn't blame Goff. It was, uh, it, you know, Wolford throws a perfect pass, but, you know, back shoulder fade in the end zone. Uh, week 17, he just dropped it, you know. And, and that was the big thing with Everett. They drafted him because of what he could do, making guys miss, generally the most, uh, you know, missed tackles, uh, you know, in college, coming out of uh, South Alabama. Uh, but the fact was, it seems like he was a step below. You know, he couldn't either learn the playbook and wasn't fully comfortable. with getting to his rhythm, and you go back, you watch the, the epic 54-51 game over the Chiefs and catching the game winning touchdown or game stealing touchdown, you know, obviously he was comfortable there. But he had those big moments and a lot of just, you know, really, uh, you know, nothing. And so, you know, I think it's a big loss, though, because I think he's going to be more so you know, massive uh, for the Seahawks. You know, Shane Waldron, who was with the Rams last year, he's been the passing court, passing game coordinator for two to three years, I think. Uh, he is now, he took over uh, with the assistant offensive coach he brought over from the Rams, Andy Dickerson. Uh, they're going to be running that same type of, you know, like McVay-style offense. I saw it early on in preseason, them doing the jet motion and things like that, that McVay loved to use. Uh, using, uh, you know, Dwayne Askridge their second round pick. Um, but I, I definitely expect Gerald Everett. I mean, I have Gerald Everett as tight end eight in fantasy. I think he's absolutely in for a phenomenal season, um, mainly because Russell Wilson is Mr. Uh, you know, improviser. And I do think that's going to bode well for Gerald Everett, who, like I said, can create a ton of separation. Uh, but the thing is, the Rams don't have to really replace him mm-hmm. because essentially the reason he was so use, so used last year is because Higby started off the season. If you remember against Philly, he had three touchdowns. He looked like the best tight end in the league at that point. Right, like he was on like a, a crazy pace, and then he fell off immediately. It was because of an injury to his shoulder, and I believe his arm, his arm as a whole. Uh, so, the whole year he spent you know, using a brace, I think he lost that rapport that he had with Goff. Goff mm-hmm. didn't feel confident to throw down the field. There's a lot of dinking and dunking, so to speak. And because of that, they just basically had Gerald Everett go in the flat. They had Gerald Everett at crossers, made things a little bit easier on Goff. Uh, whereas Higby was going and, and running the seam buster routes, things like that. And Goff wasn't going to throw deep down the field, he just didn't have the confidence to. So Higby essentially replaces Everett in a sense because he- Everett had such a big role because Higby was hurt. And Goff also didn't want to throw it deep down the field, whereas Everett thrives when he has the ball in his hand. That was a big thing that made him him at South Alabama. Uh, but now you have Jacob Harris, you know, a fourth-round uh, you know, pick that they love at UCF. Kind of a ball of clay there, former uh, wide receiver there. Learned a lot from Gabriel Davis, who's with the Bills now. Uh, at UCF, uh, but this is somebody, make no mistake, he's very raw. You know, he played soccer the majority of his life, started playing football about two years ago, so he's very raw. Um, and unfortunately, is a little older. I, I believe he's 24, 25 years old, so, you know, it's not like he's super young either, uh, but he's super young to the game. You know, he's super young to the position, and, and they're asking him to play tight end, uh, but really, Sean McVay continues to backtrack and pays a wide receiver tight end, who knows? Uh, but they're really going to use him like a flex, uh, kind of similar to how the Falcons will use Kyle Pitts. He's just nowhere near as refined as Kyle Pitts. So probably not going to see a ton of Jacob Harris. But in the red zone, Harris can thrive. You know, that six foot five ability, he has the almost the exact same measurables as Calvin Johnson. So we're talking about an athletic freak, a physical specimen. That's somebody they added. They also have Johnny Muntz, who had his best game last year against the Bears. Uh, people forget, you know, this guy probably would have been a third, fourth round pick out of Oregon, but he suffered two ACL tears and kind of lost his, you know, super athleticism. And now, still athletic, you can tell there's definitely a little bit of a notch in his step. Uh, he's Because of that, he's adapted uh, in a league that's really adapt or die. He's adapted he's become more of a blocking tight end. But I think he's going to have a bigger role this year. And then, of course, they have Bryson Hopkins, their fourth tight end. Uh, probably their third tight end, if you want my honest opinion. Played the majority of staffs in preseason, really using him as an inline tight end. They want to build him around. They, they probably want to turn him more into Tyler Higby so they can move on from Higby when, you know, they have to move on from that contract and, and cut down cap. Uh, you know, Hopkins is one of the best, uh, you know, tight ends from the 2020 class. Didn't really have an opportunity. No preseason last year was behind Everett and Higby and months. Uh, this year, you know, we'll see. Um, because, you know, I think he's very impressive um, as far as the skill set. It's funny because he's more of a flex tight end, uh, whereas, you know, now they're asking him to kind of do it all. Uh, and his biggest issue was, of course, blocking. And he did have a couple of huge concentration drops at Purdue. Uh, so the hope is that, you know, they're going to use him, they're going to use uh, Jacob Harris, they're going to use Munt. Uh, But I would expect Tyler Higby is going to lead the fray there uh, by a wide margin as far as targets is concerned and yards. Wouldn't be surprised, though, if Jacob Harris ends up leading the crop in receiving touchdowns, basically just being used as a red zone threat to get him the handle of the game.
1: And can I just tell you how I personally hate guys Mm -hmm. like Jacob Harris? Who, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a soccer player and I'm doing this. And then all of a sudden I'm just going to try out football and get drafted into the NFL, you know, like poor bastards like me, I I lived and breathed football my whole life, you know, was a pretty decent athlete, but wasn't tall enough. I topped out at 5'11". Uh, as a 300 pound offensive tackle, not a lot of D1 schools beating down my door, but this guy, six yeah. foot five, natural, athletic, you know, free can pretty much do whatever he wanted. It'd be one of those guys. If you just hand him a javelin, he'll throw it 300 feet just because he can, yeah. uh, <laughs> kind of thing. You know, he does whatever he wants. He only played one year of college football, was drafted in the top five of the first round. That's the kind of animal this guy is. And here I am like, yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thank you, Mother Nature. No, I, I appreciate it. So, yeah, guys yeah, like Jacob you know, Harris, like, oh, <laughs> man, you suck, dude. Like, good for you, but you suck at the same time. So, oh, I
0: hear you. Definitely but, hear you there. Yeah.
1: This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys, Spotify Green Room is a live audio only sports talk platform free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android App Store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group follow me to be notified when my room goes live and of course every Wednesday night 7 p.m. central 8 o'clock Eastern is when club 34/7 uh, hits the air so be sure to join in on the fun guys you don't want to miss it and be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because uh, we will be doing watch parties during the preseason we'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that lots to do this app opens up so many possibilities For interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. (coughs) But you, you talked about, you know, us tight ends getting reps in the preseason. What was the preseason like for the Rams this year? Because I know McVay and Matt Nagy kind of piggybacked on this as well, was one of those coaches pre-pandemic when we didn't have a preseason last year that if the the starters are even on the field in street clothes during the preseason, that was a big deal. You know, it was like the starters were never going to see the field. They weren't really even going to dress or anything like that or play. A lot of teams that that did that prior to the pandemic had a much different attitude going into the season this year. Was McVay and the Rams one of those people? Did did a lot of starters see significant playing time or any playing time in the uh, preseason? How did he approach it this year?
0: Yeah, no starters saw the field. Um, I mean, but McVay took it a step further uh, because I saw Brandon Staley was kind of, you know, copying his old – you know, his old protege, or so to speak, but, uh, you know, with the, the Chargers, but, but they took it a step further. I mean, he had guys like Craig Gaines, who is a, you know, a backup defensive tackle, um, Joseph Nopeum, backup left tackle, left guard. Um, you know, those type of guys weren't even suiting up. You know, they got Terrell Burgess going, uh, which you could argue, you know, he'll probably start in some capacity at the nickel, uh, safety. Um, But because of the injury he sustained against uh, the Bears simply week seven last year, you know, they wanted to get him some reps. And I don't I don't blame them. Uh, Probably has to be a little surreal for uh, for Terrell Burgess, who's going to be, you know, reminded of, you know, the last time he played in the NFL, he broke his ankle against the Bears. And then week one, he's playing the Bears. That has to feel like deja vu. Right. Same stadium uh, and everything yeah exactly i don't I don't love that but uh, <laughs> but you know it, it's uh he, they played him a lot they got um you know they got some guys reps that that needed it so to speak because of the injury so yeah know I did not mind them playing Burgess I did not mind them playing Traven Howard uh, who probably won't end up starting but I mean they didn't even play reader uh, young um, I mean they really held out guys. I mean, Johnny Munt did not play. Um, you know, Deshaun Jackson, and Jefferson didn't play. So really it was an opportunity. If like, this is the team that you really want to sign with if you're in UDFA, because the Rams do give you that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, Bryce Perkins said it, you know, best. Like he was actually given the nod to start almost the entire preseason, you know? And so, while they brought in Devlin Hodges and he actually started the first game, I think they knew all along that Bryce Perkins was going to take over. But the way he commanded the huddle and everything—I mean, they really liked it. So he ended up making the fifty-three because of it. But it was really a nice showcase for those guys, you know. And and I think seeing, uh, you know, seeing Kaiser was a little bit of a shock, and then of course he got cut. Um, Dante Dion. But I mean, you didn't even see, you know, David Long, you didn't see uh, Rochelle played a little bit, uh, but they did dress everybody, uh, you know, in the uh, the Broncos game. And the reason for that was because they wanted him to go through the motions. Sean McVay made it clear, he wanted him to go through the motions of having like game day, yeah. you know, he wanted him to get ready. It was like a dress rehearsal, so to speak, like a literal dress rehearsal. So, you know, it, Matt Stafford was never going to play, but. It was definitely funny when the camera would pan over to Stafford. He's wearing a helmet or something. It's like, dude's never coming in. Like, come on now. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah. It, it, you know, Sean McVay is is smart with this. Um, as somebody that is a Rams fan, I mean, keep in mind, two of the, the, the big injuries at quarterback for them have happened the preseason. It, it, one, jump-started the greatest Sean Turf.
1: Right, Trent Green, yeah.
0: Had, I don't want to hate on Trent Green. I'm not going to say that he couldn't have replicated some of that, but not to the level that Kurt Warner did, I don't think.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Trent Green, of course, with the injury, the the total dirty hit by Rodney Harrison. But again, jump started the whole great Show on Turf thing. And then uh, I'm not going to lie, Sam Bradford, you know, which really upset me because the Rams spent a fortune on Jake Long, and Jake Long couldn't even protect Sam Bradford against a third stringer in preseason. So, you know. And That uh, if you're a Rams fan, you definitely don't mind them not playing preseason because I, I see Patrick Mahomes swinging it for Kansas City, and I'm like Andy Reid, you are an idiot. You may not see it, you know he may not get hurt, but you're still a moron for putting him out there in harm's way like that. And I like Andy Reid, but you know seeing the starters play like that, I just think is absolute. It's just stupid in my opinion. Like yeah. there's no point, you know. I just don't see
1: it. It was a mixed bag in Chicago during the during the preseason because um we had Andy Dalton out there who's gonna be our starter on Sunday night, or at least that's what they've been telling us anyway um <laughs> because man, well nagy has been talking out of both sides of his mouth on this thing from the beginning you know he's all he's pounding the table talking about the plan, and the plan is for Dalton to be our starter, for Fields to learn, but he's always kind of leaving the back door open on that. But we're not going to keep him on the bench just to keep him on the bench. Whenever he's ready, we'll know. You'll know, we'll know. He'll be out there, blah, blah, blah. And also even mentioned like yesterday or this morning, one of the two I saw it on Twitter saying that uh, you know he was tempted to start Justin Fields on Sunday. So it's like, dude. I would. It's like, which I I would too, but it's like the preseason was such a mixed bag because Andy Dalton was out there, but literally nobody else was. So he's throwing passes to guys. None of the guys that he threw passes to in the preseason made the goddamn team. Not one. Not one. I mean, he made (laughs) the the touchdown pass that he threw against Buffalo uh, to Rodney Adams, he made the initial 53. But got cut and he's on our practice squad. So nobody on the 53 man roster was out there with Andy Dalton pretty much at any time this year. We only had two of our starting offensive linemen out there. We were playing with like our fifth, sixth, and seventh uh, wide receiver uh, on the depth chart and everything. It's like the only people that he shared the field with that he's going to play with this coming Sunday were, were the center, our right guard, and maybe, you know, like our tight ends were out there for a little bit. During the like Jesse James was out there uh, with him, and that was about it, you know. Otherwise, Allen Robinson didn't play a down in the preseason. Uh, Marquise Goodwin barely played, like literally, like I I could count all the snaps he played and have fingers left on one hand. That's how many snaps he played. Same thing with Darnell Mooney, uh, you know, and and all that kind of stuff. No, was like, why is Dalton out there if he's going to be out there with literally? He's not going to play with any of these guys, not a soul that he's throwing passes to. So what's the point of putting him out there? We're making him look bad for one. He he did not perform well in the preseason. And then Justin Field comes in behind him and is scoring, you know, getting first down, scoring touchdowns. He's running Andy Dalton out of the stadium. It's like, dude, we're not we're not being fair to Andy Dalton here. You know, if we're trying to get the fan base behind Andy Dalton. We are doing a terrible job of it because there isn't a Bear fan who watched the preseason who actually wants Andy Dalton to start on Sunday. You know, we've just accepted it as an inevitability, but nobody wants it to happen based on what he did versus what Justin Fields did. It's like it's it's night and day. Like, why the hell are we doing this? But. You know, we also the haven't way, this seen. This is
0: why New England got rid of Cam Newton, right? Because this exact reason is that yeah. they didn't want Mac Jones looking over his shoulder for Cam Newton and vice versa. You know, and, and I think really what it comes down to is you got yourself a future star quarterback. Oh, uh, Justin Fields is sure. my QB two Okay. sure. Trey Lance is QB one for me. I actually had Lawrence at three. Okay. Um, I think Fields, and I actually see a lot of Fields and. Like my favorite quarterback in college football right now, Bryce Young. On mm-hmm. um, Fields is so good at not only manipulating the pocket, working off script and all that. Uh, but you know, you know, with those running quarterbacks, they tend to get really, you know, with their accuracy at dip. Now with Justin Fields,
2: not at all. He throws
0: on a line. He's got great velocity on his ball, but you know, he's, he's got great ball placement. I think he puts his receivers in the best position to make a play after the catch. I think that's the thing that I loved about him. Got this toughness that's just unreal. I mean, speaking he took of a hit, yeah,
1: Clemson. Oh God, you know. Yeah. Well, he I mean, took a he shot against Buffalo played. as well in the preseason. Oh yeah, that, well
0: that that should have been. I mean, I'm sure I'm assuming it was flagged because that was ridiculous. It was,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He like, I mean, dude's gonna break his helmet. You know, it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, so I, I mean, I'm I'm a baptism by fire guy. Sure, you know? I, sure, I don't I don't believe in drafting a rookie quarterback in the first round. I definitely don't believe the narrative. This is the thing that people aren't aren't considering. How bad does it look to a rookie, a young rookie quarterback? We're going to play you week two because we're scared of you playing against the Rams. Like, how bad does that look? So you're saying I can't play against the NFL team? Well, they were the best last year. They have Aaron Donald. Yeah, but I'm Justin Fields. I mean, you drafted me in the first round. I, I Shouldn't I be able to play against them? And honestly, Andy Dalton is not beating the Rams. We don't know if Justin Fields can. Andy Dalton is not beating the Rams. Right. But Justin Fields, we don't know because Justin Fields could come out and give him hell. And, you know, to be honest with you, I don't expect that because I think the Rams have done a nice job of not only do they have, you know, Wolford and, and Perkins, you know, Manning, you know, kind of that's basically how they're going to plan for him in, is that in, you know, practice and in their game plan, they're going to focus on emulating that type of running quarterback style and practice, and they do that well. Uh, And that's why they've been able to shut down Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray still has not beaten them. You Mm -hmm. know, I'm not worried about the running nature, but I am going to say that it would help a lot more than Dalton. You just just know who Dalton is at this point. You know, I I don't, I didn't even agree with the Bears getting Dalton. I personally would have just brought back Trubisky on a cheaper deal (laughs) and then drafted, uh, you know, Fields and just had them battle it out. And the deals would have ended up winning. You I know actually. That? Now you're paying, what, $10 to Dalton? Yeah. I- I'm not a fan of that.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, they got Dalton a year too late, in my opinion, because last year when they were talking about their being well, he was in. cheap last year. Well, for sure. There's that. And yeah. I thought that he would have been the perfect guy to bring in to compete with Trubisky for the job like I just felt like Andy Dalton would have been that guy, it's like they drafted Burrow so he's not sticking around. We could get him for, you know, pennies on the dollar if we just wait out him getting released cuz nobody's going to trade for him cuz they know Cincinnati's going to have to let him go. So, uh, but I thought that he would have been the perfect guy to compete with Mitch cuz it was going to be a competition last year and instead we give up draft capital to bring in Nick Foles who was a disaster because he can't he wears cement shoes out there. He cannot move uh, in the pocket. the The offensive line has to be perfect for him to thrive. And our offensive line was anything but last year, especially during the period that he was uh, our starter. So I mean, it just um, I thought I Dalton would have been the guy. I wouldn't have been against that at all. But uh, you know they uh, they brought in they brought in Andy Dalton, and of course, Andy Dalton's signing was on the heels. Of the tr- the Russell Wilson trade talk being at its peak, like you know, talking yeah. about how this thing is imminent, it's going to happen. The Bears have made an offer, blah 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 blah. Seattle says no, that deal is dead. Andy Dalton, QB one on Twitter, so I was like, oh dear God. So yeah, that you know, oh dear, Lord. That so was not- it's not. It's Andy Dalton. You know, is an upgrade from what we had at the quarterback position, no doubt. But when you're talking about Russell Wilson, and then you settle for Andy Dalton. Not a good look. So, um... yeah,
2: it's
0: tough because you have, you know, you have Khalil Mack who you traded for. Yep. You obviously want to get the most out of him. You have David Montgomery on a rookie deal, which now what's are three, mm-hmm. so you want to get the most out of him, you know, and then Allen Robinson, which I mean, how long do you have there? I, you don't know, you know. So it's like there are a lot of these guys here that you are you need to get the most out of. And I think this is the biggest thing, and that's my biggest issue is Andy Dalton. And for people saying Justin Fields signals a rebuild, I think the exact opposite. Yeah. Because we've seen in the past how rookie quarterbacks can kick start teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the Bengals weren't winning games, but Burrow just felt different. You yeah. know, The Bengals felt different with Burrow. Uh, ju- like Justin Herbert, they didn't even, you know, I mean, they, they ripped off four straight at the end of the season. Uh, but the Chargers underachieved. Justin Herbert really kept them looking competitive in almost every game. Uh, so, you know, I, I think this idea that, you know, we need to fit quarterbacks because that's what the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers or, you know, that it, it's a proven method. Yeah, it might be a proven method for some, but it's kind of like, you know, like with learning, for instance. You know, some people are visual learners. Some people need to learn hands-on. I just don't know if it's like, idea like if you're going to use Patrick Mahomes for instance because he only played one game his rookie year and it wasn't like the best game ever you're going to use that because they had you know Alex Smith I would tell you Patrick Mahomes could have started his rookie year you know it, it wasn't like they had Alex Smith and they drafted him so they didn't but he could have you know so it's mm-hmm. like when people use that I'm like well I know every quarterback's different I just feel like the quarterback position especially you've got to learn hands-on you mm-hmm. can't be on the sideline having a guy point in your you know, point out and you know, be in your ear and saying, you know, see that throw, don't make that throw, or make this throw, or or see that protection. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like I, I feel like Justin Fields also has kind of been there, done that. You just play in a national title game, got further than Trevor Lawrence, I might add, last season. Yeah. So you know, it's like Trevor Lawrence has been like anointed as like this generational talent. I think Fields is better. And I think people are gonna see that and I think when the, you know, I like that the Bears went. I'm not a huge Nagy fan, but mm-hmm. I like that they went out and they got Justin Fields. Now they just need to not ruin him. Right. But he's got two <laughs> really good receivers in uh, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. Uh, you know, I really like Cole Kmet's upside long term, and you know, David Montgomery is going to be huge for them. You know, a guy that's proven he could do a little bit of everything. Um, plus you have Tariq Cohen coming off the physically unable to perform list down the road. He'll help, uh, Damian Williams, pretty solid running back, yeah. solid backup. But, uh, my guy, Khalil Herbert, I'm a Kansas Jayhawks fan. Watched him at KU. Uh, you know, he transferred to VT, and he's, a, he's the real deal. I yeah. mean, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, down the road, they, um, they make a tough decision. on to not bringing back Montgomery because this price is going to be astronomical. Right. And, uh, And they just develop Herbert because I mean that guy can play. So there's a lot of you know there's a lot of stuff that you have to like about you know what and of course they got the kid out of Oklahoma State the offensive lineman I like a lot yeah. Um, So I mean I like what the Bears did. I don't think they're going to be amazing this season, Um, but I don't know until you know like I guess the best thing I can basically say it's just like the game. Andy Dalton probably isn't bringing the Bears to the playoffs, but we don't know if Justin Fields isn't. Right. You know what I mean? There's and no,
1: that's um, you know that's, that's basically the, the 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 question of the season right now is not if, but when. And I would exactly. say, like, I'm I'm thinking that we'll see Justin Fields Week Four. It's a home game against Detroit. Game. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you, you we might see him on the field at some point. You know, for a package here or maybe even two minute because he ran that like a. Like a sorcerer. I mean, I don't. You you talked about ball placement earlier. Did you see the throw that he made against the the Titans just before halftime? He threw a touchdown no, I've pass.
0: Seen, I've seen every field throw.
1: Yeah, that that touchdown yeah, pass he, to Jesper Horstead. It's like Jesus Christ. He threaded the the eye of the needle uh, on that. I can one. tell I mean, you
0: that to me. That tells me he's NFL ready. And yeah. people can say, oh well, it's against you know twos and threes. That's just the excuse they make when they know you're right. You know, I mean, that, they, really. I mean, look, they're all NFL talents at the end of the day. Yep. Uh, competition is competition. You don't think that the FCS quarterback, Trey Lance, Carson Wentz, FCS talent, you don't think that they're playing as FBS talents, guys that just may have either gotten in trouble with the law and they're at an FBS school and they had to demote themselves. right? Or they just couldn't, you know, they didn't get a scholarship for whatever reason. They got no exposure, which happened. And they just had to settle for an FCS school. Because the thing that I learned uh, and I've talked to a lot of you know pre-draft prospects. I've learned, you know, in my time of doing that and watching a lot of film, is that you know the FCS is very similar to the FBS. Yes. And competition is competition. Really, the difference between you know the FBS programs, the FCS programs, that they all have great players. It's the depth. Yes. But here's the thing: when it's eleven on eleven, the depth doesn't matter. It goes off the window. In mm-hmm. that moment, we're seeing competition versus competition. Which is why I hate when people will, you know, discredit a Justin Fields or to Jesper Horstad because they'll be like, well, it's Jesper Horstad and look at who was covering him. And I'll be like, okay, well, it's also the NFL and there's crowds. So honestly, in my opinion, Justin Fields has shown more than some of the quarterbacks did last year throwing touchdowns in actual games yeah. with no crowds at all. You know, there's no pressure. It's like practice. So. You know, I think that's, uh, that's a big thing there. And I think, um, you know, I think Dustin Fields obviously playing at Ohio State, going through the hardship of, you know, not being the starter at Georgia. Dumbest thing I've ever seen, starting Jake Fromm over him, but uh, we'll get into that. Yeah, that didn't uh, age
1: well. That didn't age well at all.
0: And, and I just feel like, you know, to me, Fields has, you know, been there, done that. He's gone through not making you know, Georgia's roster. He's gone through transferring to, uh You know, Ohio State, uh, you know, beat out Tate Martel, which is honestly at this point, he's kind of a meme. Um, But, you know, Justin Fields has proven himself as a competitor. And I I just think now it's like for people worried about him, what are you worried about? RG3 was able to make his name early on with his mobility, but RG3 didn't have Allen Robinson or Darnell Mooney or a Cole Komet or a Jimmy Graham. Or the offensive line. I think the offensive line is better than what RG three had in Washington. Mm -hmm. And I think Alfred Morris and, you know, David Montgomery, while similar, I think Montgomery offers more in the passing game. So, really, if worse comes to worse, you just dump it off to him and let him do the work, you know? Yeah. That's how I think. So, I I don't know. I feel really good about Justin Fields. I know being a Rams fan, you know, probably Rams fans don't want to hear that. But, you know, like – I think Fields, if he played he would make the game interesting.
1: Yeah, uh I do as well and I think a lot of bear fans feel the same which is why we're all you know not happy about you know the fact that that Nagy's sticking to the plan and we're going to yeah. start uh we're going to start Andy Dalton cuz like after the preseason it looks like he's sticking to the plan just to stick to the plan not because he actually believes that. that winning the game is more possible with Dalton than it is with Fields. I don't think anybody who watched the preseason will believe that because Fields was playing with the same guys that Dalton was. All they did was switch out the quarterbacks and, you know, uh, Fields is moving the chains, he's scoring touchdowns and Andy Dalton's struggling three and out, you know, uh, each and every time. So, uh yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's it's uh I'm 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 treating it as glass half full going into week 1 because we haven't seen Dalton actually play with the offense yet. He was out there with a bunch of guys just getting reps for himself as opposed to trying to build rapport with Robinson and Mooney and all those guys he's going to be playing with on Sunday night. I'm holding out to find out what he actually looks like when he's out there with the starting group before I'm like, the hell with this put in fields. I'm done. I'm done. Let's put fields in there after we go three and out six possessions in a row to start the football game let Andy Do- or let field start the second half and let's see what happens. Cause it can't be any worse than this.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think just, you know, these coaches are learning that you make these plans and sometimes plans change, you know? And yeah. I think like Kyle Shanahan is like, you know, well, you're going to see Trey Lance and you're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo. But if you look at what he's saying before was that, Jimmy Garoppolo is our starter. So it's like, Dude, this is so tired. It's such a tired thing that head coaches do. Like, I understand it's like Coach D, gamesmanship, whatever. But, no, the, the, the 49ers shouldn't start Jimmy Garoppolo over Trey Lance. You draft him third overall. You trade up to get him. Yeah. And the only thing that's going to make you a better offense is the fact that you're going to play a quarterback that has a dual threat mentality just like Fields. And at the same sense, everyone knows how to stop Jimmy Garoppolo. They know his tendencies. Everyone knows how to stop, you know, Andy Dalton. They know his tendencies. It's like, the, you know, the Jets, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Jets, honestly, I like their approach because they're going to play Zach Wilson immediately. While I feel like he has the most tough potential in the draft, I also understand playing him immediately. It makes sense. It's yeah. like, you know, what do you have to lose? And it's the same thing with the Patriots. You're going to start Cam Newton, who had eight touchdowns and ten interceptions. People that are upset about that just, simply didn't watch Cam Newton last year. Right. I mean, he hasn't been good since uh, Age of Ultron came out in theaters, is what I always say. So, you know, it's, I mean, let's just call it like it is. You yeah. know, Mac Jones looks amazing in, in preseason. And it, it's the same thing with Trevor Lawrence, but it's even a little different with Lawrence because, you know, Gardner Mishu, he didn't really lose the job. I mean, they kind of just forced him out. He didn't do anything to lose the job. They, they clearly were tanking last year for – Lawrence. And so they started playing like Mike Glennon. I mean that, you know, <laughs> last year what the Jaguars did was just absolutely bizarre. So, I mean, you know, we'll see when, when the, like for instance, when Hilly drafted Jalen Hurts, uh, albeit a second rounder, felt a little weird, but it, it made a little sense because, you know, Carson Wentz's injury pass that I understood that uh, when the Broncos went out and got Drew Locke in the second round uh, for Joe Flacco, that made all the sense in the world. And I would have played him over Flacco in an instant. Yeah. Now they have Teddy Birchwater, so you know that's all weird. But teams basically they do some weird stuff. They they stick to their plan, and their plan at the end of the day just doesn't end up always working out. But you know, Reed's plan did work out with Mahomes. Sometimes that works, but most of the time that you don't get that lucky.
1: Yeah, I was kind of hoping that we would have a Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson kind of epiphany. Uh, during the preseason and everything, because if you remember the same year that they drafted Russell Wilson in the third round, they gave like $30 million to Matt Flynn to sign him away from the uh, Packers. Flynn never played a down for the Seattle Seahawks because Russell Wilson in training camp was inserted as the number one receiver, or excuse me, as the number one quarterback. And the rest is history. You know, Russell Wilson's going to be a hall of fame quarterback. And I don't even know how long Matt Flynn was in Seattle before they let him go. So you know, he's the answer to a trivia question kind of thing. It's like, who was the quarterback that they signed when Russell Wilson got drafted uh, kind of thing? You know, who was supposed to be the heir apparent there? Uh, You know, Russell Wilson was an afterthought, a third-round quarterback, and yet he played his way into a day-one starting position just because he was obviously the better player. And, uh, you know, it just – I was kind of hoping that that would – happen because early on i was all about the plan we don't just stick to the plan sounds good but i also spent the summer talking to people like you who are excited to see justin fields play and slowly but surely i was softening my stance and then the preseason happened and now i'm all about getting fields out there as soon as humanly possible so yeah to hell with the plan it's there's that saying is like if you want to hear god laugh tell him your plans and uh you know it's (laughs) like okay. That's, let's just go ahead and, and get this done. But I th- I think Nagy's going to stick to his guns for a couple of weeks. And uh, when we come home again week four uh, against the Lions, I think Fields is going to be our starter then. That's, that's when I think it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, so. I'm hoping for your sake that's not the case. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, at least you're not Houston. Uh, they're in a weird situation where it's like you start the season, obviously you have your rookie quarterback in Davis Mills. But I can't even hate them not playing him because it's like, are you trying? Like you don't know what your team is. So yeah. I mean, you could surprise you. Uh, and Tyrod Taylor obviously has a lot of experience in the league. Uh, he's more mobile than Mills. But at the same time, it's like if you come out and you know Jacksonville just absolutely outclasses you. Mills should be in week two. I mean, that's you're in a lost season. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like so. At least they're not Houston fans. I feel. Horrible for them. I have them going one and sixteen, and only because I didn't want to be that guy that projected 0 and, 0 and
1: seventeen. Sure, that's
0: just not really possible. Uh, or I guess you know now it is, but you know, I, I just I don't see many wins on that schedule. Yeah, I, I gave them. I think the win against the Jets, maybe I, I don't even remember. But I, the Bears, I'll be honest, I have around the six and eleven and seven and ten range. Yeah, but that's that's even with Fields, I just. Because I really do like Fields, but I I don't know. There's something I don't feel like it's the Bears' year yet. I think give them some time. Uh, I think Fields is going to be a superstar, though. I think you know in three years we could talk about him in the top ten easily, and potentially he'll be you know one of the faces of the league.
1: Well, you know what? He's. I I feel like that's already happening because the first two preseason games were aired live on NFL Network. That would have been unfathomable a year ago with. Trubisky as our starting quarterback because, you know, let's just be, he's not the star that Justin Fields is. And, you know, it's, I just feel like that's, he's, that it's already happening. Fields is already taking over uh, Chicago. He's feeling the love in, in Chicago. I believe he's already, he already loves it here and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, he's I, also very marketable. He, he is very marketable. Yeah. So, So it's, it's, uh, it could be a huge, huge deal. So I'm, I'm looking forward to when the rains get, uh, turned over and, and I'm on the same boat as you. I mean, after what I saw in the preseason, I'm not exactly high on the team right now. And granted, like I mentioned before, we didn't really see much of anybody who's actually going to be playing. So it could be a skewed perspective that I have on it, but it's just, uh, you know, I was thinking nine and eight, eight and nine before, but now I am thinking more six and eleven, seven and uh, ten uh, at this point. Be- because also, you know, part of our schedule includes you guys, the NFC West, who was probably the best division in football uh, this year. I just got done watching uh, Good Morning Football argue about who the best team in that division was, and they all made pretty solid cases for just about everybody, but Arizona. Uh, to be honest with you. I mean, and Arizona's not a bad football team. They just happen to be in the same division with three beasts in the NFC West uh, right now. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting season. And, you know, I, I think that the development of Fields will probably be the story of it when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, so. no, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, he's somebody I've definitely rooting for. I'm not really a huge Ohio State fan um, at all, but for whatever reason, I like him and I like Haskins. So maybe yeah. they're coming around for me. <laughs> we'll see.
1: So, real quick, before I let you go here, you know, Sunday night, yeah. uh, I, I'm picking the Rams uh, to win the game. Uh, I don't play with, with point spreads or, or anything like that, but what are you looking for at a final score on Sunday? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I hate to be this guy, but I I don't think it's gonna be relatively close Mm because I do think they'll end up starting Andy Dalton. They'll probably throw in. I think they're actually gonna make it worse. I think they'll throw in Justin Fields in a you know a game that's pretty much over. Uh, I have thirty eight to ten. I think the Bears have the talent where if they could control the clock, if they could you know get some first downs early on with uh, you know Montgomery set up play action for Dalton. Then maybe you know they, sure. they stay in it, but I, I don't see them winning this at all. I think the only way they could is if Fields comes in and just ends up being the superstar right away. Um, you know, but I, I just don't I don't trust Nagy to do that. Like you said, yeah. I kind of feel like he's going to stick to the script and he'll end up you know end up playing he'll end up playing Fields in L.A. anyway. But it'll be too late, and it'll be all like, "Why didn't you play him earlier?" And I just feel like, to me, you know, the Rams played the Bears last year, and that defense was number one in the league. Uh, that Rams defense this year, I think I'm lower on the Rams defense, and like, if in fantasy they're going in like round eight, which is just absolutely insane. Um, but at the same time, I still think they're a top ten defense with Raheem Morris. They have a chance to be the best defense, but. This is assuming they're not more so top ten. I do think you can you'll be able to throw on them because I do think you know Morris will have those cushions with the corners. Uh, obviously, has to you know be careful with Mooney's speed. Um, you know, but all in all, I, I think if Montgomery can run against this defense, we don't know. Like we really don't know how good this defense will be against the run. Last year they were great. We don't know. Um, if he can run against this defense. It'll set up play action. It'll keep the Bears in it. And then if that's the case, I'd have the Rams winning. I'd probably have the Rams winning like 34-24, 34-20 maybe, okay. you know, um, pulling away at the end. But I just think it's too much to, you know, to game plan for that Rams team. I mean, I, I really I, I felt bad for any team that was going to go up against the Rams team week one. While everyone looks at the fact that they could be rusty – You know, like, oh, it's week one, anything can happen. Yeah. I look at it like this is the first time you're seeing this type of offense. They're incorporating what Sean McVay wanted to do with golf, but couldn't because golf was limited. And they're incorporating what made Jim Caldwell so great. And honestly, you know, Jim Caldwell gets a bad rap. He was with the Baltimore Ravens when, you know, Flacco had his success. He was in Indy when they went to the Super Bowl and He was part of the best times that Stafford had in Detroit. They've already really combined the the verbiage. That's been a thing that Sean McVay wanted to do. So to me, the fact that the Bears are playing this team week one, anything can happen, and you really are going to have really no way to prepare for this type of offense because it's been very vanilla in the preseason. They're obviously not going to show their hand in the preseason, but you haven't even seen Stafford in the preseason or anything like that. The Rams have at least seen Dalton, um, you know, in the preseason. Plus, they, you know, have played against him before. So, I just think, you know, this could be one of those games where they come out and make a statement. You know, similar to, I mean, not the same thing, but if you remember a while back when uh, Peyton made three-seven touchdowns against the Ravens on the opening night. I remember that um, too, yeah. You know, it felt like it was way more than, it wasn't personal, but it was about making a statement like, Oh, Peyton Manning is here with the Broncos making his debut. We're gonna make this special. Yeah. And they, they did. Like I remember watching that game every single moment, Julius Thomas becoming relevant, all of it. I feel like that's gonna be kind of the same thing where the whole, you know, nation's gonna be watching as Stafford kind of puts himself in that conversation. Because the thing with Manning is that he had fallen out because of the uh neck injury. People didn't think he'd come back from that. Right. With Stafford, it's like He's been in the you know top 10 to 15 range on a lot of rankings for people. I think this is going to be a statement game for him, and it's going to kick off a season in which he puts himself in the upper echelon this season.
1: And I believe that as well, and that's why when I was uh, doing my – like uh, we did our conference previews at the end of July, um, we didn't pick a Super Bowl winner, My the, the guy that I was doing the show with, but we both picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl uh, this year. So regardless of how the season starts, uh, we both believe that by the end of the season, the Rams are going to be the best. Because like you said, it's week one. We've seen strange things happen all the time. One of my favorite stories to tell as far as the craziness of week one was uh, 96, the Bears start at home on Monday night against the defending world champion Dallas Cowboys. We beat the brakes off the Cowboys that night. I mean, they could do nothing uh, against the Bears. We absolutely mauled them. We went like 6-10 and 10 that year. It's like week one does not a season make. So it's like I expect the Rams to beat the Bears, but because it's week one, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears pull one out of their ass on Sunday uh, either you know but at the same time if that happens i'm not saying that the bears are going to be back in so in five months to represent the <laughs> nfc in the super bowl just because they won the first game of the season you know be like okay can we build yeah. on this was it a fluke are we for real what happens week two what happens week three when we play cleveland another playoff team and so on and so forth so um like i said i expect the rams to win won't be surprised if the Bears do, because like you and I have been talking, the Bears have a talented team. It's just a matter of whether or not they can put it together uh, against the Rams uh, on Sunday. Oh, and I think we're, we're both more confident the Rams will get it together than the Bears will uh, on Sunday. So that's uh, that's where I'm sitting at uh, with that. So um, Yeah,
0: no, I, I hear you there. I, I think, you know, we've seen in the past, we, what was it, the Bills that one year with Stevie Johnson and Ryan Fitzpatrick, they went 5-0 and oh, and I mean, I was in upstate New York, so I know for a fact Bills fans thought they were, you know, when the Super Bowl. And I said, they're going to come back down to earth and these Bills fans are going to be coming back here and they will be in tears because they'll play the Patriots. The Patriots punched them in the mouth. Sure enough, I believe it was week six. Patriots punched them in the mouth. They lost like six straight. Like the Falcons went 7 and oh, They lost seven straight. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen yeah. it so many times. But I think it's going to be similar to when the Rams beat the Ravens. Uh, you know, week one of that 1999 season, we all know what happened then um, with Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. You know, not knowing what Kurt Warner was going to be, Kurt Warner going up against the Ravens. I mean, Lewis and Ed Reed and, you know, all those guys. And they really looked good in that game. I think it's going to be more like that and less about the Rams now they started off 2019 3 0, and then obviously didn't make the playoffs.
1: Yeah. will <laughs> cool thing. Yeah. So we, we've seen I mean we saw Jacksonville win week one last year and then lost fifteen straight to uh, finish out the season. With sent
0: 2 I might add.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so he's yeah. the
0: only one that <laughs> he won their only game and they benched him for Mike Lennon. I'll never get over that. Right.
1: So Jake, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Really had a great time uh talking to you. Where can uh where can we keep up with you? Uh you know, tell us about your YouTube channel, any podcasts that you do, where we can find you on Twitter and so on.
0: Yeah, you know, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you can find me at J K Bogan on Twitter. Uh, you can find my YouTube channel, uh, Jake Allen Bogan, is my full name. I cover basically it's I always say 75% Ram, 25% everything else. So I'll do NFL. I'll cover the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'll cover horror movies, things mm-hmm. like that. I do movie reviews as well Ants uh, and some Gaming. So if you're interested in that, check that out. Uh, downtown ramps is where you can find my rams centric, uh, brand, my, you know, my website downtownrams.com. We have a podcast called the downtown Rams podcast and I have an NFL centric, uh, web show every Sunday at 10 uh, Eastern time a.m., uh, so to speak. Uh, my cousin, uh, Adam Steele on YouTube, uh, and I will be hosting and we'll be breaking down all of the week one and week two and so forth matchups throughout the season. So we're really looking forward to that. But, yeah, I got a lot going on. So if you want to check all that stuff out, um, you know, we'd really appreciate it.
1: All right, Jake Bogan, busy man. Thanks for being on the show, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, I want to thank Jake Ellen Bogan for coming on to the show. Had to pull him out of the uh, bullpen because uh, both of our Locked on Ram guests, um, uh, Sosa K that we had over the summer and Brad Motter that we've had on the show several times um, you know, over the years, um, neither one of them was available uh, this week. It's just one of those things you run into. People get busy. Uh, but God bless Brad Motter. Got to give him a shout out. He uh, turned me on to... Uh, Jake he's like hey talk to this guy reached out to Jake Jake said let's do it and the result was that awesome conversation we just had and then off mic uh, what you guys didn't get to hear was after we got done talking we spent about 40 minutes after that talking about the MCU because Jake's a big Marvel guy so we were talking about Shang-Chi and uh, where the rest of the Marvel's uh, cinematic universe is going and uh, the shows and how much we love Loki and all that kind of stuff so yeah, I like that stuff, too. But um, so it was a good time. So I enjoyed having him on the show. Look forward to having him on again at some point in the future. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So Sunday, Bears and Rams, we butt heads. We'll get more in-depth with that tomorrow on the preview show with, uh, you know, me breaking down, you know, keys to the game, uh, you know, and and other things. We'll have news and notes, uh, with injury reports and stuff like that heard some distressing things about Eddie Goldman today that I'm not too happy about, but uh, we'll see if that uh, changes uh, on Thursday. Will he practice on Thursday and all the rest of that stuff? I mean, talk about a guy who's been through a roller coaster uh, of an offseason. You know, he leaves us all dangling by a thread to see if he's actually going to come back this year. He comes back in, has a little bit of a back injury. Then he catches COVID. He comes back, and he plays like a beast against the Titans. But now all of a sudden, he's banged up, a knee and ankle injury or something like that. It's like, oh, great, you know. But um, truth be told, uh, Kyrus Tonga, our seventh-round pick out of BYU, uh, was a beast in the preseason. So if he's got to be bumped up to the top spot and play, we might not be Eddie Goldman good, but we're going to be okay. I really do think so. So uh, we'll see how it all how how it all changes up. You know, tune in tomorrow to uh, to see what uh, what the latest on Eddie Goldman is. We've got a guys that kind of banged up, like of course Khalil Mack. I saw him with a groin injury because it just wouldn't be an injury report without Khalil Mack having some kind of small irritating injury that's going to keep him from being one hundred percent, but. He's still going to do awesome things anyway because he's Khalil freaking Mack. But, you know, so tune in for that. My keys to the game, what I think it's going to take for the Bears to win, even though you got you just got done listening to me agreeing with Jake that I think the Rams are going to win. And I do. Honestly, I do. I think the Rams are the best team uh, in the NFC right now. Uh, if if all goes to plan, I I believe that the Rams will be the second team in a row to uh Play the Super Bowl in their in their home stadium. You guys heard the preview show with me and uh, or the conference previews with with myself and Ross Jackson uh, at the end of the and, and at the end of July, just before uh, training camp. Uh, he and I both agree uh, the Rams uh, appear to be the class of the NFC, even though they are playing in a monster of a division with the 49ers and the Seahawks and even the even the Cardinals. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be a gauntlet that those guys have to to run but throwing in Matt Stafford which means they can do everything on offense that they couldn't do with Goff out there with Aaron Donald and Ramsey and all those guys on the defensive side it's you know it, I, I don't know it, it just uh, it doesn't look like a team that i want to play against week 1 i think is probably the best time for us to be playing them because uh, you know as you heard Jake say Matt Stafford didn't play in the preseason, whether he was nursing a thumb injury or Sean McVay was just not playing the starters, he wasn't out there. So maybe we can take advantage of that. Not to mention that we've done pretty well kicking the crap out of Matt Stafford uh, over the years and his time uh, in Detroit. But I think that was more about the team that he was surrounded by than just how awesome we are at kicking the crap out of Matt Stafford. Uh, We'll find out on Sunday for sure. So, um, you know, we definitely, like I'm, as, as much as I hated it to see the Rams week one on the schedule, and I hate it even more that it's on national television uh, on Sunday night football. But, uh, you know, after further analysis it's like, yeah, this is probably the best time to play the Rams. Cause I think this is when we'll have the best shot at beating them. And you guys know, I love to go back to that story of the bears playing the cowboy. You just heard me talk about it with Jake play the Cowboys week one, 1996 Monday night football. Uh, defending world champions come to soldier field. We beat the brakes off the Cowboys and then go six and ten, seven and nine. So, you know, as far as like getting the season off to the right start, uh, making some kind of statement, or just being able to uh, catch an opponent with their pants down. This is the best time for us to be playing the ramps, you know, because I think that a big win for us on Sunday could do a lot in propelling us forward into this season instead of falling flat on our faces and stumbling our way uh through uh the regular season so you know we'll we'll see how it uh we'll see how it goes I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it so I think this you know this is year four uh under Nagy uh last year because of because the football gods gave uh DeAndre Swift a uh, a set of uh you know a case of the Butterfingers Last year was the first year we started the season off with a victory because we were 0-2 against Green Bay going into that point. Um, but, uh, you know, let's see if we can get a legit win over a legit team uh, to start the year. So uh, come, back on, uh, come back tomorrow for the, uh, for the full preview as we do news and notes. We'll do keys to the game and anything else that I can come up with. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bears Talk Underground.